This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Uh, So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to you, Father, and we just ask, Father, you just to anoint this time, uh, anoint this word, Father. Lord, speak to us, God. Lord, we never gather just coming just to be together. Lord, we gather to come to hear your word, Father. And so, Lord, we just love you and we praise you and just speak to us on this night, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so we're, we've been in James, and so we're at James 5, 7 through 12 is where we're at right now. And the title is Patience in Suffering. Doesn't that sound great? Patience in Suffering. <laughs> doesn't sound great, but we do need to be patient even though when we're, we're going through things. And so this is what it says. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, who have heard the steadfastness of Job. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And so when I read that, the first thing it says is to be patient. And um, I I will admit that when I was a younger man, um, patience was not one of the things I was really great at, Um, but um, God continued to grow that in me because when you accept Jesus then you get the Holy Spirit on the inside, and then you get those fruits of the Spirit, which we'll talk about later. Um, So patience, which that means to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering. But that's not it. Without being annoyed or anxious. So just the first part sounds okay, but then the second part is where it really looks at our hearts. Are we being annoyed or anxious with those things when we have delays, our problems, our suffering? So how do you respond when you have delays at the fast food line? Like uh, when you're at Chick-fil-A and there's two lines coming in, and Chick-fil-A moves pretty quickly, but sometimes we still get annoyed with even that. Like we'll drive in, oh, man, it's all the way to the front of the store, you know, (laughs) Um, so how do we react when we're dealing with those delays? How do you respond when you are shopping at Christmas with your mom? <laughs> like, those are rough times. 
Our patience is not always the best. When problems arise, when we're suffering, how do we respond when we're suffering? Um, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit, um, and people should be able to see that patience in us because of the Holy Spirit in us and those, those fruits of the Spirit. And um, they say that uh, you can know what kind of tree something is by the fruit that it gives. So I know that an apple tree is an apple tree because it gives apple fruit. Um, apple fruit, that sounds funny. The fruit, which is an apple. Um, um, I give, uh, a cherry tree gives cherries. An orange tree gives oranges. But we should have the fruit of the Spirit, and people should be able to see that in us. Um, you ever been by somebody that um, you never really told them you're a Christian, but they've kind of picked up on it, and then they curse, and then they apologize? Uh, that happens to me all the time, all the time. And I never really make them feel guilty about it. I've never really said anything about it, but they apologize because they know that I don't speak like that. And so they know um, that there's something different. And so people should be able to know that there's something different about us um, because we're Christians. So it says to be patient. And then it says, and work to ensure a good harvest. Um, A good harvest does not come without somebody who plants, and without somebody who waters, and without somebody who cares for the crop. The, the farmer lives by faith. He plants something that doesn't look like it's really anything, and, and he, then he waits for that future reward of his labors. And as a Christian, we must be planting, we must be watering, we must be tending, and care. I decided that I was going to college because it was really, really hot in the summer. Um, uh, nothing wrong with being outside. If you love to be outside in, in the heat, that's okay with me. Uh, I don't mind it when I'm by a pool. I don't mind it at other times of the year, but uh, I like to be outside a lot. But in the dead heat of summer, I said, I, I want to go to, I'm going to college. Um, uh, but I worked on a farm and we planted soybeans. And um, soybeans take about 45 to 60 days to mature to harvest. And so as a worker, I was able to plant and, and care for and watch and harvest because I did it the whole summer. So I had that time that I could do that. Um, what I did was uh, my uncle was the, uh, the farmer and he had a tractor and he had this thing that had all these compartments on the back of it. And I had to uh, take big old bags of soybeans and dump them into these things. And I probably three or four of them went into each one and there were probably 15 of them. And so I would load them up and then he would go and drive up and down, up and down, and I would move the truck over. Yeah, I know. I was 14. I was driving the truck. Um, but uh, it was on private property at that point. So, uh, and I would drive uh, to the, where I thought he would need, need to be next. And then um, as soon as they were empty, I had to fill them up again. Um, and it was long days. And, um, and we were lucky. We had uh, a tractor to do that work for us. Um, in the older day, olden days, men had to, like, plow it up themselves, and then they learned that they could put um, oxen and, and plow up the ground uh, with, with them, um, and then God did most of the watering. Um, today, there are times when we still have to water those things. We still have to care for it. We still have to watch it. We have to still make sure insects aren't on it. Um, so there's something that has to be done daily to watch, to tend, to care for, and so we have to work. 
We have to uh, plant seeds for Christ. We have to plant seeds. We have to water seeds. So we're not always the one that gets to see every piece of the puzzle. Um, but we need to make sure that we're doing that and we're working and we're waiting for his return. At the very end of that, um, in verse 12, it said, but above all, but above all, so out of the things that we just read, of being patient and working, above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or any other oath, let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you may not fall under condemnation. Like, we need to be men and women of our word. We don't need to say, oh, I swear, I promise, I do a, like, what you say needs to be the truth. Um, and so, and, and when you do that enough, you create that character, then people know. We need to avoid telling lies. We need to avoid telling half-truths. We need to avoid om- omitting some of the truth. Um, we need to treat small promises with the same level of importance as big promises. We need to write our commitments down and put them on a calendar because when we say something, we need to mean it. We need to follow through on our word. We need to not agree on things we don't really want to do. I have a, I have a friend who uh, always asks me, hey, you, you want to do this? Um, play, do this worship thing. We're doing this worship. I'm getting a bunch of guys together, and we're doing it at this place. And, and my, my schedule's busy, specifically at night. So, you know what? We have a, a couple of nights a week. I, I teach a lesson on one night a week. We have the Elevate. We have uh, worship team practice. And, and I love all those things, but, like, I don't have time to add another thing to my schedule to have to go to practice um, on, a, on a night. And so uh, I don't, I've never said yes yet. Doesn't mean I won't say yes at one point. When I know that I have the time, I will say, yeah, let's do that. That'll be great. Um, don't give excuses. Don't be vague about what you're committing to. Do what you said you would do, even if you don't want to do it, because you said it. We need to be people of our word. We need to schedule reminders. Just, uh, just yesterday, Michael says, uh, God, Dad, you got so many alarms. <laughs> That's how I remember everything I'm going to do. If I'm, I don't want to forget something, so I set an alarm. If I don't want to forget something, I put it on my calendar, and, it'll, and I'll set an alarm on my calendar to tell me if I need to remember the day before. I'd let it tell me the day before. You know, some of us have weaknesses in, those, in the areas of, if you have a weakness in the area of that, then make sure you don't by setting calendars, setting reminders. I want to be a man of my word. I don't want to say something and not mean it and not do it. I think it's... a a very, very important lesson in life. Um, when I used to be college pastor, that was after I was youth pastor, uh, we scheduled a college event, and this, this guy showed up. And, um, and it was really just a fun event. Um, and so we, we did the fun event, and then uh, I, I don't think I saw him again, but like I, uh, he, he disappeared, and I didn't, he just came to that one event. And then one, uh, there was a girl that was in our group that was working in the library, and one day she calls me, and she says, hey, he's here, this guy's here, and he's not looking good at all. And I said, all right, just tell him to stay there. And so I, I drove to the library and uh, sat and talked with him, and he really didn't look good. And um, he really had no place to go. He had nothing uh, in his life. He, he was a drug addict at the time. And, um, and so I was just talking to him. And uh, something, don't ever do this unless you know God's telling you to do this. Like God put on my heart 
that I was supposed to let him stay in our garage, uh, which is separate from our house, stuff like that. And, um, and, and I had little kids then, and, like, I really knew that it was God telling me that. And so I said, okay. And so I, um, I wind up just calling Pat and telling her, hey, this is, like, I really feel God's telling me to do this. And so he did that, and he stayed there. And I said, you can stay, but if, if you do drugs, don't make me ask you, just leave. Like, just, if you do drugs, like, leave, and that's that. And so he, he was there for about three months or four months. He says it might even be longer. He remembers it being longer. And, um, and so one day he just disappeared. He honored what I said. And so he left. I didn't see him for another year or two. Then he came back uh, about two years later, a year and a half later, something like that, and uh, asked me if he could stay back there. And I said, no. And he said, why? I said, because God didn't tell me this time that I needed to. So that means, like, to me, that meant, like, he's running or whatever. And um, I didn't know for sure. But, um, but then that was a Saturday. And the next morning, we had church. And a girl who used to go to my church when she was younger and married and now lives in Baton Rouge, she was there that day. And she came to me and she said, hey, um, uh, she saw that, I was, that he was with me. Oh, I saw that he's with you. He, was, he had checked himself into our program, which is kind of like APOR, um, a place of restoration in Baton Rouge, and he stayed for a day or two, and he signed himself out. And so what happened was he signed himself out because he didn't want to stay, and then he came to Homa hoping that I would help him. And I actually, at that point, I had put him up at a hotel that Saturday night, and I told him I'd, I'd give him two nights, and that's all I could do. And so, um, so at that point, he, um, I went to him, and I said, hey, I was just told that you signed yourself in a place, and you signed yourself out. And he said, uh, yeah, I did. And I said, well, um, like, you need to be a man of your word. It's the first lesson I need to teach you. You need to be a man of your word. And so I'm not paying for this next night, um, but I will take you back to Baton Rouge to sign yourself back in, and then you can stay there and be a man of your word and finish that program because it would have helped him. Like, and, it, and, it's, and, it, and he's a man of his, you need to be a man of your word. And um, he did not at that time do that. He left. Um, but I wanted to teach him early on. Like when you start something, when you say something, you need to do it. And so the lesson I want you to learn is that you must be trusted with your word or you won't be trusted when you speak his word. You have to be, people have to know that what you're saying is the truth or they're not going to believe what you say. And so... The good news is that that guy is doing great. He is restored. He's married. He has a great, he has a good job. He's serving the Lord. And guess what? He was just asked to give his testimony, and he's been doing well for a while. So he just asked to give his testimony at a church. So that was the first time he was able to do that. So I'm, uh, I sp- he calls me um, about every week or a week and a half or something like that, or I call him if I notice it had been, has been a time. And, uh, and he really checks in with me all the time because he's learned that lesson. And he knows that we have to follow Christ. And, uh, and he wants to be accountable. And that's part of what he, why he calls me. Um, now we're going to read um, sec- uh, verses 13 through 20, which is called the prayer of faith is the, the title uh, of the section. And it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. 
let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. The earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any one of Anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, who brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so that part, you know, it says, if you're suffering, pray. That's what it says. It says, if you're happy, sing songs of praise. If you're sick, Call on the elders to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Confess your sins and pray for each other. And then I just love, um, I love the, I think it's the King James Version of this part. It says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you look up the word fervent, it means passionate heartfelt, powerful, wholehearted. That's what it means. So this is what I, how I take it. The passionate, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And God hears the prayers of righteous men and women. Proverbs fifteen twenty nine says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. So we need, and how do we become righteous? Obviously, it's nothing to do with us, except for that we have to accept Jesus, believe that he's the one, confess our sins and turn from our sins, and then he gives us that righteousness. Um, and and then, then the, obviously, it's a growing process. I always think of the Christian walk as, um, like, when you first become a Christian, you're kind of like a baby, and you learning things and you learn how to walk and you learn how to eat and you learn how to do those things and all of a sudden you're crawling and then walking and then running and so I, I kind of think of it like that so we don't expect you to be like uh, this Saul to Paul conversion even though I think those things do happen um, it, it is a, a, a process that we go through um, but how righteous was Elijah he prayed and there was no rain for three and a half years. And then when he prayed, the rain came. He was a righteous dude. <laughs> um, that's just pretty awesome to me. Um, and, you know, when I think about those, when I think about prayers and I think about the prayer of faith, I think of a couple of things that have come to my mind. One of them was this, uh, we were in Chalantenango in El Salvador. This was a pretty long time ago. And there was this little girl and she had a severe eye imbalance. This is not her. This is just a picture off the internet. Um, but it was, this eye was as bad as that one, and this one might have been a little more turned in. Uh, but she had severe eye imbalance, really bad lazy eye. And, um, and the students that were with us said, we want to go pray for her. And they, they cried out with passionate prayers for her to be healed. And she wasn't healed of that. She wasn't. 
But you know, when we finished praying, I felt like something had broken, like, like something happened. I felt like she had a peace. Like you could see in her face, it was a peace. And I don't know if it was like an emotional healing that we couldn't see. Or if I don't, I don't know that it was that she had these, all these Americans by her that were from another place and spending time with her and, and caring about her enough. I don't know what it was, but she wasn't healed of, of, of her eye imbalance. But um, you know what I find? That sometimes that we focus on things that really are not super important. Like to us, eye imbalance is super important. But to her, like the, the important things in life that I think are that important are getting her to know Jesus. Those are the important things. And guess what? We had done all that right before. We had done, uh, on a mission trip, we play with kids for about a half an hour. And so then, even though we don't speak their language, we're, we're spending time with them. And I don't know how many adults have the time to spend and play with kids there because they have a hard life. And this was in the mountains. So they're, they're literally growing their own food. Like, it's not like they can go to the store. Like, so they live a hard life. Um, and so, like, we play with them, and then we, did, uh, we do these silly dances. And when we do the silly dances, it draws even more people in. And then we do, sometimes we do silly skits, and then we do serious skits about Jesus. And then somebody, pray, then somebody prays and preaches. And then we pray for the kids, and we pray for their salvations. And then we pray for healings. And so, but the kids on our team wanted to go back, and they wanted to pray with her individually not as a group, which I thought was just such an awesome thing. Kids just like you wanted those eyes to be healed. And they weren't healed that day, but that doesn't mean that something, God didn't do something. And so that's what we had to try to get through to them, that that might be important to them, and God still might heal her, and God might bring an optometrist or an ophthalmologist to her and be able to give her something, some kind of glasses that will help fix it. or uh, We don't know. But my focus was not on that. My focus was on we prayed what we thought we were supposed to pray, and God does the rest. Um, there was another time um, that we were in Chalantenango. It's, it's one of my favorite places on the planet. Um, I have a few, but that's one of my favorites. Um, and when they had asked people if, if anybody was needed prayer, it was a little girl, and she said that she used to be able to hear really good, and she could hardly hear anymore. And so, um, so we, we, uh, they, they prayed everybody in a group, and then the kids, uh, the kids in our group came to us. They said, "We got to go find that little girl, and we got to go pray for her." And so, let's do it. So we found her, and we started praying for her, and she was healed. She could hear. And Brother Don knew the little girl. Brother Don's the one that uh, started King's Castle Ministries year, years way back in the late 80s or early 90s. I can't remember when it started. And, uh, and he knew the little girl, and he knew that she had ear problems. And when, after we had prayed for her, Pat actually has a picture of her right after and, like, smile. And I think she might have even shown it here one time. Um, but Brother Don went behind her, and he just whispered her name. Her name was Heidi. And she turned and looked at him. And so we knew, God, but you could tell from her face, you knew she could hear. And so God does heal. He, he doesn't always heal the way we want him to, but sometimes he does. Because um, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's us, like this is what we want. And, and we, don't, we need to just understand that sometimes 
it's not going to happen like we want it. Like it's not our prayer is not demanding that God do something. Our prayers, we're called to pray. And so if somebody needs prayer, I'm going to pray. But, but you just pray and then let God do his work. Um, then I think about Lazarus. You know, his sisters called for Jesus ahead of time, but Jesus didn't go. And then Lazarus died. But the reason Jesus wanted other people to see that there was something greater, that he was going to raise him from the dead, and that Jesus would be glorified through him raising him from the dead. And so, like, I'm sure his sisters thought, why didn't he come? She, and one of them said, why didn't you come early? You know, like, like, but sometimes we don't see the whole picture. So we need to just realize that, that we don't see the whole picture. God's got a bigger span of what he sees. He sees everything. He's omniscient. He, he, he knows everything. And so our little bitty view, you know what a viewfinder is? It's one of those little things when I was a kid, and when my kids were kids, we still had them. I don't know if you'll remember them now, but you put a little thing in it, and you look in this little bitty hole that's as big as like a little an old-fashioned camera. And that's what you look in, and you click in right there, and you click it, and it switches, and it switches. That's what we see through. This little bitty piece of time, this little bitty thing, that's all we can see. But God sees the whole picture, and we just have to remember that. And then I think about the scriptures. Uh, Paul saying, to live is Christ, to die is gain. When I think about that, you know, like I've had a lot of people pray for their 90-something-year-old grandpa, you know, because he's given up on life. Like, he's not given up on life. He's, his body's tired. <laughs> like, like, God's ready to call him home. And so, you know, I'll, I'll pray for God's will because that's what Jesus did. Jesus prayed for God's will. Um, when he was uh, about to be nailed on the cross, he didn't want to die on the cross. He knew that it was going to be painful. But he said, if, if the, I'll take it from me, but if not, your will. Your will is what I want to do. And so that's how we really need to pray. We need to, we need to pray. I mean, obviously, I know that I pray sometimes selfishly. But at the end of that selfish prayer, I'm going to say, but God, your will be done. Because sometimes we want people to live, and we, sometimes we want certain things. But it's, we only see that little bitty piece of, of, um, of today. Um, I also have a friend, um, and he has multiple disabilities. Um, right? He is almost completely deaf. Um, this is a, uh, years ago, he used to work at our school. Uh, he was a lip reader. He had a hearing aid that didn't really work, um, but he mostly just read lips. He also has physical disabilities. He had tremors due to he had lead in his blood when he was a kid, and so and it's it, those are the tremors are irreversible as of now. Um, he they have haven't been reversed, and he also has difficulty walking. He has a disease and it's called CMT. And I said, you got country music television, and uh, <laughs> um, but. Uh, he, uh, he has all those things, and one day, uh, after about a year, he asked me uh, what I thought about healing. I said, well, I said, well, I think that God can heal somebody immediately on the spot. I think he can heal somebody through doctors, and, and I know that he can, but sometimes he doesn't. And I don't understand why certain things happen 
but I don't have to understand those things. And so, um, and so that's what I told him. And then he told me that a lady at his church would often ask him if she could pray for him, and he'd say yes, and then she would pray for him for an extended amount of time, and he told me it would be like 20 minutes or 25 minutes. And then when she was done praying, she told him that he didn't have enough faith that he could be healed. And I was like blown away, and I felt so bad that she told him that because that's not how it is. Like sometimes God heals on the spot. Sometimes he heals through doctors, and sometimes he doesn't, and we don't have to understand that. Um, and so, that, so that I had, I, that's what I told him. I said, "This is this is what this is what I know to be true in my life, and and from what I and I know that he can. God is the healer, um, and it's okay for me to not understand why he doesn't heal because I've prayed for things before and they didn't happen. But I'm, like my prayer is not telling God." what he needs to do. Uh, so I told him all that, and, um, and I knew that he was a man of faith. His daddy was a pastor. He was a man of God. The, uh, uh, my friend is a man of God. I know that he believes that God can heal him. And so um, about a night or two after, I'm flipping through the channels, and I'm watching. Um, I'm flipping through the channels, and on PBS, there's a, a thing on cochlear implants. And so um, I look at the cochlear implant thing, and I realize that um, he might be a, I wonder if he could get one of these. So then I tell him, and the next day or so, and he, he says, yeah, they tell me that I'm, a, I'm probably a good candidate. They have to do a little bit more testing on me. So they did some more testing, and then they said that he was a good candidate. And then they said that it was going to cost $30,000. And so he, uh, he was really, I don't know how I'm going to get $30,000 to do this. And then as they kept going on, he winds up saying, because of his multiple disabilities, he says, Medicare is going to cover it. It's going to cover my surgery. And so then he has the surgery, and then he can hear. And I thought that was so awesome that God used doctors to heal one of his disabilities. And, it, and it's like his hearing is like 95% of what we hear in that ear. And so and then he actually had the other one done. But not only was it a physical miracle, but it was also um, a financial miracle because Medicare only covered that stuff for three months. And it happened to be the three months when he had the surgery. It's no longer covered. So like, I just, I'm just blown away that it was a medical miracle and a financial miracle. Um, and I thought, you know, that it was just awesome that God healed one of his elements. And he is an awesome guy. Like y'all would, y'all would love him. So our focus in prayer should be that we trust him through our circumstances. That we pray and we do have faith but he loves us and he'll never forsake us. And, and you know, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. They, they trusted him and they said, if we have to go, we have to go. But I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. And so um, just we need to pray and trust him to get us through what we're getting through. Not that he does exactly what we ask him to do. So in recapping all this stuff, um, It says, when we're suffering, we need to pray. When we're happy, we need to sing songs of praise. When we're sick, we need to call on the elders to pray and anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. We need to confess sins and pray that we be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
And it also says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Lord Jesus, we just come to you, Father. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, that you are in control. Lord, we we submit our lives to you, God, and we look to you. We cry out to you, God. And Lord, uh, we just ask you, Father, just to help us through our lives, God. Guide us. Your word says that your word is a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. And, Lord, so that we look to you to guide us. We look to you to help us through this world and through this life and through the sufferings that we have and through the things that we go through. We know that you are our source. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in you because you are the divine healer. You are the divine provider. You're everything, God. We love you and we praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Outstanding. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate your watching right now. Again, this is going to be happening every Wednesday at 7, so don't put anything on your calendar. Tune in with us. Also, pay attention to Facebook and Instagram. There's going to be videos and posts every day. Also, I would really like to thank all the people that are helping make stuff happen in the middle of this crazy time. People like Laura and Steven and Noah, Dom- uh, Noah Hendon. Also, Noah Domang, who's over the social media. Thank you, Miko, for tonight. Jamie Conley for the testimonies. Uh, Elijah getting together with me and filming videos. And many other people that are behind the scenes. Thank you, guys. Love you, Elevate. Have a great night. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.